You good? Say hi. Hi, Steph. Hi. I don't mean to pee in your pool. (laughs) Dude, we were in the spa, and there were probably like 10 kids in the spa after swim class yesterday, and I just looked at it, and there was one teacher sitting in there, and I was like, you can't pay me to go sit in that spa right now, because I know they're all peeing in it. Oh, yeah. Does it still burn your eyes when you walk into that place? Yep. And and on hot days, there is. Mm -hmm. It's overly They need it. They need it, because of all the kid pee. Welcome to another episode of Gym Junkies. I'm Brecken. And I'm Jonathan. And we are back today with another episode all about medals. And so we've invited our most excellent production manager, Paul, and he's going to answer some questions that a lot of people have about working with the different medals. Right. Yeah, it's uh, so there, there's definitely some differences between each of the, the different medals. And so we thought we'd talk about silver, uh, gold, platinum, and then kind of the differences even within gold between white gold and yellow gold. As I know, there's a lot of there's a lot of always a lot of questions out there of, you know, I'm going to get a ring. Should I should I get it in platinum or should I get it in white gold? And what's the difference and how does it wear? And then I also thought it'd be just kind of interesting from, you know, from a goldsmith perspective, what is the difference in working with them? So right. kind of going over all those different aspects. Hi, Paul. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we, we mentioned his name, but we didn't let him say hi. <laughs> I was just sit, stay. I'm good. Sit. Um, Paul also has done another podcast with us, Production with Paul. So yep. if you want to know more about Paul, you can always check out that podcast too. True. But so I think let's just start with yeah. casting. Well, well, yeah, we should probably start with the beginning of the process. And I guess we could talk about <laughs> a little bit on the, on, on the process of, of we, we, what we do. We do lost wax casting. There right. is other kinds of casting, but I think that's right. the most common in the jewelry industry. Most common. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we start out with a, uh, typically a rubber mold and we inject it with wax. And then we take that wax and we attach it to a wax tree. Right. We so basically make a tree. That looks like a pine tree, if you will, um, with the pieces that we're going to be producing wax welded to that main center sprue. And then from there, we'll take it and we'll invest it, which is basically using material that's like plaster of Paris. And um, we'll pour that all around that wax tree. Um, It's in a metal casing that's with perforated holes. And then when it solidifies and hardens, then we have the mold we need to then pour the, the metal in. Now, so first you got to burn out the wax, yep. obviously, because yep. that's in the way. So, so you, you melt all the oven. wax out, and that's where the term lost wax casting comes from. So now you have a plaster of Paris mold, in, that, uh, and that's what you... Yeah, I mean, I say plaster prepare, uh, a Paris mold. It's a gypsum is what we're using for gold. Um, platinum takes a different type of investment. Um, that's more of a phosphate uh, material. Uh, they both have their own different caveats, their own different fun characteristics to work with. Is is that because of the temperature that you have to 100%. reach? Yep. For because the, the melting point is so high for platinum versus gold. Yep. Versus so you have silver. to have something that's going to resist the metal severely reacting when it's poured into that mold. So that's, you know, gypsum bonded material, which you use for silver and your golds, 
up unless you're starting to get into palladium that's a high temperature gold that you have to use also the phosphate platinum type investment with mm. does it like explode when you pour the gold into the gypsum does it go like like lava no 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 just pours right in there oh darn i mean it's all i mean <laughs> it's all vacuum i'm, I'm gonna sealed. go back to when i first started when we had uh basically with a melting pot <laughs> You know, and you'd pour it was into this, the to the flask. When did you start? The eighty nineties. It was yeah, end of the nineties. So ninety seven. Ninety seven. We're just we were still old fashioned. We had just switched over to the new tech J two R. If anybody out there knows what that is, it's a great machine. But it was like coming from a Model T into like a modern vehicle. You know, yeah. so. So, so what is the uh, casting temperature for silver and gold? Um, so for ours in particular, and it's going to vary depending on your metal supplier, right? Okay. So it's going to depend on the alloying systems, what they have in there. Generally, they're pretty, pretty even across the board, but there are some different ones depending on what you're trying to do. For example, for our gold, let's say 14 karat white gold, you're talking about 1,860 degrees Fahrenheit. Silver is about 1850. And then we drop down into like a 14 karat yellow gold. You're down to 1780. Okay. So, I mean, huh. there's a variance there. Yeah. Okay. And then platinum, if you're going to cast platinum, what temperature does it have to go to? Honestly, I don't know because I've never plat- cast platinum, but you're you're up in the 2000 degree okay. right, and above. So our, our casting machine won't go high enough to melt it. Right. To melt it even. Yeah. Okay, so you need a whole different casting machine just to do. Now, are there some machines that will mm-hmm. do? That do them all. Yeah. That do them all. Okay. Yeah. But since we, in particular, we're, we, I mean, we kick the idea around a few times, but it's not something that we do enough here in-house to justify the investment of equipment. So, yeah. I mean, it mm-hmm. saved us a significant amount of money just focusing on silver and gold. Now, doesn't platinum have to be an extremely clean environment? Um, I will get on my soapbox and say everything needs of to course. be in a clean People environment. People do tour our production department and they're like, oh my gosh, you could lick off these floors. And it's like, yeah, yeah Paul, Paul likes things tidy. Well, I, anybody that comes into the casting department as a new trainee, the first thing I tell them is think of this as a surgery room. Yeah. Because every, every contaminant that's in here, if it gets into your process – you may have a very difficult time tracking down what's causing your issues in casting. I mean, you've got so many variables to deal with. So you have to keep everything clean. So if something goes wrong, at least you can look at each process and procedure and then hone down from there versus like, oh, I don't know. I had some chips the other day and I was doing all the waxes and I had all the oils on my hands and then I didn't, you know, clean the waxes with denatured alcohol or, you know, stuff like that. It all impacts. Yeah. So, you know, and people that have a jewelry background, let's say from a university, I've learned that every university has a total different concept of what clean is. Yeah. Just by the interaction with them when they come in and how they keep their desks and how they, you know, just manage precious metals. Yeah. So Interesting. So, so then once we've cast the item is there a lot of difference other than that in in casting any other nuances between them other than mostly temperature oh i mean sure when you're working with different uh white gold versus yellow gold the sprueing system gets a little bit different you know we use a lot of white gold that has nickel here and nickel is a real finicky uh, alloy um 
you have to have it super hot and then you have to have enough sprueing system available to feed those pieces so that you don't get porosity. So why use nickel? Why don't we go to a, you know, I know like in Europe, you're not even allowed to use nickel in your white gold. Why, why do we like using nickel? Because it gets us the color of white that we want more so before we go and, you know, rhodium plate it. And then that base color will enhance that rhodium and that whiteness even more so. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, you're hundred percent correct on the hypoallergenic aspect of it, but also the cost of palladium tends to be a bit higher and more problematic. I mean, there are people that have figured it out and do quite well with it. Um, and we could do that as, as well, but it just hasn't been something that I'll, we've had a lot of customers request. Mm-hmm. I'm also like not liking white gold so much lately. No, I'm, we've been doing a lot less. I mean, I'm that's something I've definitely noticed gold. is, is there's, we've been, we've been definitely moving into a lot more. I guess my feeling is that white gold looks like silver. A bit. There's a bit of a feeling is, is that even when I'm at retail and I'm doing events, they're like, yeah, I don't like yellow. I want, I want the silver. And so they don't mean silver. They mean the white metal. But even the name yeah. silver is generically used sometimes in the for general public metal. for any white metal. Yeah. And so that's where, that's where I think there is that. When, when it's yellow, you know it's gold. It's gold. And, and whereas when it's, it's gold, and when gold is so high right now. Yeah. Dang, I want people to know I'm making it rain. <laughs> I got gold around my neck. Yeah, which that really makes it easy for us is, <laughs> is buying gold gets more expensive every day. Uh, yeah. so, so yeah, so then once we go take it to the next step, so now we've, now we've cast it. We've, we've made it ginormous mess taking the new uh gold or silver or well not as platinum tree out of the investment with the little baby jets that thing is messy as all heck for gold in particular yellow or or white we actually have a big 50 gallon drum that we use full of water Mm -hmm. and then we quench it in that so you take the flask and we we let it cool down five ten minutes Mm -hmm. and then dunk it in there and basically It is. It's like a big explosion That's going off in the water. Explosion. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're left with the piece of or the tree and you're left with that. And then you put it in the baby jet and clean it off and yeah. then clean it off in acid. And then it's ready to go. Ready, ready to go. To party. Ready and, to go. And next is polish. Well, you first you got to clip it. We, oh, we clip, clip it. it. Yeah, we clip it and we run it through a burnishing system, get it all shiny and clean. Now, there's a lot of metal that's. But not wasted, but not used for jewelry. Right. So you've got the the whole trunk of the tree. The whole trunk of the tree, and but we reuse that up to about four times. We can reuse that. We add, you know, fifty percent re or new grain in with that clips and sprues, as long as it's clean. Right. That's the main thing. You got to you know we we clean it thoroughly, so there's no investment still left on that. Yeah. And so it, it kind of extends it. You're basically refreshing that gold and the alloys by doing that and making it go longer. Now, is that the same for all the metals? You can reuse that for silver? I don't silver? do silver. Silver loves to absorb all kinds of muck. And you can be really careful and it still can be problematic. Uh-huh. So, and it, you know, before recently it was so cheap, it didn't really matter. Right. And comparatively, it still is significantly cheaper yeah. Than, yeah. than the gold. So. So we, re, we, we do fresh stock every time on yeah. the, 
on that. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of times up till now, the silver castings have been for masters. So we want those to come out 100% ready mm-hmm. to roll. Right. We don't uh, want to have any issues any with issues. going and having to use a laser welder and fix, you know, porosity and pits. So that's why we do that. Yeah. And platinum, do you know, can you reuse that metal after you cast it? I don't know on that. I yeah. would think you might be able to to some point, depending on your procedure. But typically, platinum casts aren't large either. They're usually smaller because it's such a difficult metal for casting. Right. So they're not a huge tree like we do for gold or silver. Not uh, not for us. I've yeah. seen some people, you know, like the, I call them the big boys, the big boy companies, they have significant trees, but mm-hmm. they have continuous casting machines and that kind of thing, which is, you know, high tech and yeah. a lot of money invested in those for them to be able to do that. So now we're, we've, we've snipped we're <laughs> reusing the clipping, clipping. You snip, we, I snip, you snip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we've got now detached pieces of jewelry. Yep. Yep. Uh, with sprues in them. Yep. But we're not going to tell you how we do that because that's oh, proprietary. It's not really proprietary. Oh. It's, I mean, everybody. Does, I mean, to polish metal in particular is is all about taking the sprue off and then removing the scratches mm-hmm. until you, you know, get on the casting skin and that kind of stuff. And you're just stepping through grits until you get to a certain fineness of scratches that you feel comfortable with to put a polish on. Mm-hmm. Um, we in particular kind of step it through to where we do a semi mount finish. So if somebody ordered it, it would be ready to go to the client. Then they could set their stones, put their final, final rouge polish. on yeah. it and it'd be good to go. So we do a little bit different than most companies. Right. You know, they just kind of step it through the process and get it to where it's good to go to the setting department. Then they set the stones and then they would do the final rouge. But we do have clients ask for semi mounts. So that's why we kind of have that process. Now, is there a difference between how we polish silver and gold? Um, in the process, yes, because silver is a lot more malleable. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be actually uh, more careful. And now by malleable, you mean? The, the metal's going to move a lot easier. Okay. When you go to polish, the scratches are going to go a lot deeper in silver. So, and honestly, what we do when we train people is train them on silver. Because if they can polish silver to a high finish, gold's going to be like butter. Okay. Just because the hardness is different. Well, actually, silver's like butter because it's a soft one, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, right. So from a... from a. <laughs> so from a from a from a hardness standpoint, silver is the softest, and then it would be that we work with would probably be eighteen karat yellow, mm-hmm. and then fourteen karat yellow, yep, and then eighteen karat white, and then fourteen karat white, and then platinum would be the hardest. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, so the white fourteen karat white gold um, polishing that is <laughs> it can be a huge pain. Because that's the one, if all the metals, that's the one that we're going to deal with porosity the most in. Um, and that's due to the nickel? That's due to the nickel. It's due to just mostly, to be honest, with the interaction with the investment. Because that 14 karat white gold is at the top end of what gypsum bonded investments like compatible with. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're, you're walking that fine line and depending on, you know, the volume of the tree, the types of pieces, um, a lot of people will segregate the trees, light pieces on one and cast those at a certain temperature and then heavy pieces. And we don't have that luxury. So what we've come up over the years is with a system that works for us where we can get 
a good median run and we'll have a little bit of issues, but not a ton that's going to affect, you know, the time that it takes to finish that piece significantly, but we can cast everything at once. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of the juggling act that you do with casting sometimes. So my question is casting to polish. How long does that take? So once you have your wax, in days time frame. Days time frame. Uh, you're looking at so from wax investing. That's going to take you, let's say, four hours. Okay? okay. Four hours wax tree invest sitting wedding to go into the oven about four hours, mm-hmm. and then the oven cycle on in general is between eight to twelve hours. Yeah. So and, it's an overnighter. Yeah, that's an overnighter. We always run that overnight. And then the casting process itself, it takes the machine maybe 10 minutes to warm up mm-hmm. and then put the metal in. It's another minute, minute and a half cycle to take it from the casting grain to molten state. And then the actual casting, blink, it's done. It's done. Yeah. It's done. Okay. Yeah. And so. then uh, removing it from the investment. Oh, uh, that's five ten minutes, and then it's maybe thirty seconds in the clipping the, in the uh, barrel, uh-huh. and then a minute to two minutes to get everything cleaned up in okay. the baby jet. And so, like two days, maybe, because you've got the yeah. overnight thing. Oh yeah, okay. couple, couple a couple days, days for that, and then polish is probably another day in mm-hmm. the cycle. You know, because yeah, we I, usually batch everything too, right? We're kind of batching between, because I mean, obviously your tree is a batch of something. Yep. And then you're in your polish process. So usually you're polishing all those. You're not going to take one piece unless it's a rush. You're going to take one piece and separate it from the whole rest of them. No, what we try to do is take like styles to polish, right? So if you have pendants and rings and earrings that have gallery, you want to group those together because through the hand polishing part, you want to not have to change out all the burrs and everything that you're using the sanding discs all the time. So you want to go through like as efficiently as you possibly can to hit all those areas. And then once that's done, it goes into our automated system. And once it goes into the automated system, then it's just basically sorting pieces after that mm-hmm. and checking for defects as they come through. Okay. So we've talked polishing. Yep. Now setting. Setting. Setting in silver versus gold versus platinum which is the easiest to set well that depends i would say probably the easiest one is going to be platinum um and that's because yay the the first time platinum has been easiest (laughs) at anything (laughs) well that's just because the material moves so nicely yeah right you know the worst is going to be 14 karat it's more ductile it's definitely ductile yeah it likes to move it move it which is which is nice for the setters because when they're you know, working with an, ex- let's face it, anytime we do something in platinum, it's not a cheap stone that's going in there. Whether right. it's a diamond or whether it's a colored stone, it's not cheap. So being able to know that as you're pushing that metal, that it the rate that it's moving is not going to change or that if you have to increase the strength to push a prong is going to stay consistent. That That's so, so it might, that's ner- nervous. Yeah, so it's almost safer to set a really expensive gemstone in platinum. I would say so. Yeah. And it's definitely I mean, going to be... as far as the, the tension and the pressure that you're putting on the stone while setting. Yeah. Because that's where you get most of your breakage, right? Yep. When you break a gemstone, when you're making Typically jewelry, it's, it's in setting. setting. Yep. Huh. Yeah, because most of this, like a prong setting for a center, 
they use what they call vector setting, right? So you carve your prongs and you set your stone in there, and then you're pulling prongs across from each other, not in a linear fashion or diagonal, mm-hmm. so that you're trying to tighten that way so the stone has a little bit of the ability to kind of absorb as you're moving that, and you can kind of gauge it. And one prong may move a little bit more than the other if it's four, like 14 karat white gold. So you you can see that and you can gauge it, and then that way when you have to tighten it just incrementally, it's a matter of just moving it slightly instead of trying to get in there and really wrench on it. Yeah. Now, when... Which you should never do. Right. (laughs) So I'm going to skip ahead to wearability then with platinum because I think about catching a prong on something and having it ripped or bent or broken off. So like gold is more likely to break if you catch it on something, correct? Well, yes, it, it, it can be. It just depends a lot on how the setting is. So like if you have a mounting that's been over carved uh-huh. in order to get a, a fat stone in. A big stone, A big yeah. stone in. <laughs> you know, then that's more likely to catch uh-huh. on something, bend, and snap off. Because okay. it doesn't have the same malleability as platinum, right? It's right. got the memory in the metal because you've pressed it and you've moved the the grains, if you will, in uh-huh. the metal. So it's taken that form and that shape. And so it wants to move back a little bit and then you press it a little more. And so you're in the process, you're work hardening this piece the whole right. way through. So yeah, you catch it, you pull it, it can break, yeah. snap right off. Whereas platinum tends to more just bend. It'll bend or it'll just, you know, you'll get a groove or something on it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Look so, at my wife's ring. She has a platinum ring and the bottom of it. You would think she was, you know, in a UFC fight, but it's just, <laughs> but the, yeah. the thickness of the shank hasn't diminished. Yeah, mine too. It's, right. it's perfect. Because it right. just yeah. moves. The, right. the metal just moves, whereas gold will actually flake and break and, off, and whereas it won't. And that's one of the things I think a lot of people have a misconception of is that that platinum is uh, has has metal memory, which it doesn't. Which is one of the things that I've seen on a lot of you know different things. There is no metal memory on on platinum, platinum but there is to a point on the on, on the, gold. gold. On gold, yeah, yeah. Okay, now setting gold and silver. We I jumped ahead. Silver's Sorry, super easy. It, it moves. You know, it's yeah, easy no to set in deal. silver. Yeah, and then silver is silver more like gold or more like platinum as far as it's moving and it's. I would say silver is more like platinum in its moving because it's, okay. it's so soft. But it's mm-hmm. it's more it's even softer. Yeah, yeah, it, okay. it it moves significantly easier. All right, so the most difficult to set in will probably be fourteen karat white. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if if I have any of my goldsmiths complaining, it's about fourteen, 14 karat white. Gold. Yeah, oh, I bet sure. they're so happy that we that I haven't placed any orders for white gold. Oh no, some well, we still have a lot of customers that place orders for white gold. It, well, it's you know, it's yeah. it's one of those things though. Any experienced goldsmith will know how to deal with it. Yeah. It's it, you, everything has a learning curve, and you just know, okay, it's fourteen karat white gold. I have this mindset, and you approach turn it on that your way. Enya. In your headphones and just be totally zen about it. I'm going to take a poll now and see if anybody listens to Enya as they set. I do, to calm down. <laughs> but you don't set. <laughs> I don't. I'll like sit in my office. I You came in the other day and I was listening to like yoga music and I was just like breathing. Just like, all right, calm down, Brian. <laughs> 
I don't know that I could set gemstones. I think it might be a little too stressful for you. I mean, I think I would probably, I do like working with my hands. Like there are some things that I do like to do, but when it doesn't turn out perfect, then I just want to throw it all away. And so that would probably, I would probably get frustrated. She's not a setter. I'm not a setter. She's going to be throwing things. I do think the act of like making something. Sure. One day I might want to learn. Maybe when the girls go off to college, I might. When you have more time. Become a hobbyist. (laughs) All right. Now. Hey, we can use them sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) During, you know, the time before JCK or any major trade show. If if those happen again. She's like, move over. Move over, I've got this. But I'll only do 14 karat yellow, 18 karat yellow, (laughs) silver. Okay. Now, certain uh, metals need to be plated, right? So Mm. obviously, platinum is white. It's going to stay white forever. You don't have to plate that. Yellow, gold. Gold is yellow. You don't have to worry Please about that. Please don't plate that. Please don't plate that. Although I have seen some people plate their yellow pieces. To make them white. To make them white. And now I bet they're kicking themselves. <laughs> but you can take it off, right? You oh, yeah, can take rhodium off. plating off. Yeah. Um, but white gold, you have to plate with rhodium. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. But otherwise, it's kind it of looks. more. It, it usually looks a little grayish, a little yellowy gray if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not too many people that are hip to that color right now. No. And now we also plate our silver. Mm-hmm. Oh, we plate our silver and rhodium so that it doesn't tarnish yeah. as easily. Well, it helps give it a barrier to not tarnish. Yeah. For sure. Because we live in Idaho and they mine sulfur like two doors down. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, right around the mountain. They process it yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have to be careful because if we had a bunch of silver here, it would oh, tarnish super quickly. Yeah. I mean, I can we plate a tea set? That would be a lot of plating. Oh, uh, if we had a big enough beaker <laughs> to get it in. Yeah. Yeah, a big enough beaker. We could plate a whole tea set so I don't ever have to polish our, my silver tea set that Jonathan's aunt gave us. Well, I think because she no. didn't want to polish it anymore. <laughs> You're going to have to polish it because it won't go over the tarnish. top of tarnish. So I'd still have to It'll, polish it. You know, yeah, if yeah. you have a dirty surface, it's going to not... Adhere. I might just take it on down to Molinelli's and pay them to polish it. Like, hey, I don't want to polish it. But once it it's anymore. polished, then you could technically rhodium yeah. plate it. But that's a lot of rhodium. It's a lot of rhodium. Yeah, have you and seen the price is, of rhodium right is, now? Is, no. It's rather expensive. Darn it. Okay. <laughs> you should have done it 10 years ago if you were going to do that. I yeah. actually have been quite enjoying the tarnish on the silver because it kind of has a rainbow effect. It does. <laughs> it does. It a character. Yeah. 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 Now, yeah. is there now is there anything from a long term durability standpoint of tarnish on silver? Will it eventually? Is it like rust on on a car? Well, it's an way, oxidation layer, is what it is. It's an oxidation layer, so but it doesn't actually hurt the metal. No, okay. it just discolors it. Is all it's yeah. doing. Yeah, so it's just a discoloration. So it doesn't hurt anything. You can let it tarnish forever as long as you don't mind the look. Yeah, I think I had a, my mom has a baby spoon of mine. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I guess you give them as gifts. Oh, Paul was born. fed with a silver and spoon. And she's like, here's your uh. silver spoon. <laughs> yeah, no, I was not. <laughs> no. Sounds like you were. <laughs> Negative. Uh. But it was black she gave it to me uh-huh. and i was like oh that's really tarnished <laughs> thank you mom <laughs> thanks mom uh, she goes it was silver and i was like oh it still is yeah. now another thing that's been super hip right now is um black rhodium yeah for um oxidizing silver to uh enhance the look of the piece of jewelry which we've done and i have found that when i use black rhodium over white gold 
we don't get it black enough. We don't get it dark enough for me. And so we've chosen if we're going to oxidize something or we want to make it black, we'll make it in silver. And then we can get that really nice dark, yeah. Then we rich use color. antiquing. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some stuff out there that I've checked into in terms of that really rich dark, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is cyanide based. Yeah, we don't want to. And mess so with we've that. been. Is that you know worth the is it worth risk it? of bringing that in? And I don't think so. We'll just stick with the silver. <laughs> I mean, because it's really, really mostly in fashion stuff, which I totally understand why, yeah. why people like it, but. Mm-hmm. It yeah. takes a lot to set it up. Have to have a whole separate area, and yeah, you know that's cyanide. cyanide. That's kind of nasty stuff. Yeah, I, I, oh, we should know here in Pocatello because of that cyanide bomb that went yeah. off. Yeah, that's true. On the dog and the little boy. Yeah, that happens to be the son of Jonathan's doctor. Yeah, there you go. You really? hear that story? Small world. I'm not originally from. Oh, you're not from Pokey. This was just a few years. This ago. was a few years ago. Years there was a little. Uh, he was not little. He's a teenager walking um, through a field with his dog, and his dog found a cyanide bomb. And they use these cyanide bombs to keep coyotes and yeah, predatory animals away from um, suburban populated areas. But it it was placed too close. Right, well, and they really shouldn't use. It's hilarious that the government thinks that will work because there's coyotes in New York City in downtown downtown Manhattan. Yeah, I mean gonna coyotes are going to find go. a way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they just settled, right? Mm-hmm. They just they just the federal government the federal with. government just settled with the family. But yeah, the dog unfortunately didn't end up making it. But the 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 young man was smart enough to know he immediately wiped his face with snow and then. Ran, but he did get cyanide poisoning, but he yeah. didn't. He didn't Headaches end up pass away. Yeah. yeah, so we don't want to. We don't want to work with cyanide. No. So we're just, <laughs> no, thank you. We're scarred here. <laughs> we it's too traumatic for right. us. Yeah. So that's another thing you have to be super careful with working with metals and working in a in a production environment is how caustic are the things that you're actually working with. Oh yeah, yeah. We have some. I mean, we have hydrochloric acid all around here that we have to be careful with, you know. Mm-hmm. And the investment with the investment gy- for sure, yeah. Gypsum, nope. you don't want to breathe that in. No, nope. nobody wants to to breathe that in and get silicosis. That's you know, it's the same structure as asbestos floating yeah. in the air. So that's why if you go into the investment room, you have a respirator on, and uh, we. And another reason why we try to keep it clean because we don't want that getting through into the casting department. And I've seen some areas around in other facilities that I've toured that are like, "Wow, that's that's not very safe." Yeah, that's you dangerous. Know, that's that's long term. You know, everything when you're in the moment, you know, oh, it's only a few seconds. Well, if you do that job for twenty years, that's going to add up and yeah. that's going to impact your life. Yeah, and your so, lungs. We yeah. got to keep our lungs healthy. Yeah, especially, especially with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then I also know uh, rhodium plating. You have to use some caustic. Is yeah, we acid? have some acid. We have a vent above uh-huh. that pulls all that stuff out. Yep. Yeah. And ironically, here lately, I've been doing almost 95% of the plating. Really? Everybody out. Yeah. I didn't know if you knew this, but I can rhodium plate. Well, now we'll... I, I learned how to do it when I worked at Molinelli's. It's... Yeah, back to the dipping. It's just dipping. We went but, from clipping I mean, to dipping. It is. It's dipping to dipping. But and clipping then you kinda, to dipping. And then you kind of swirl it around, yeah. and then you put it in the wash, and then you swirl it in this solution, and then you wash it again. And well, then what's the most important step in plating? Well, I have no idea washing. It. <laughs> I know how to do it, but I don't know what I'm doing. I know, know, how to do it. I know the steps, but I don't know what's the most important part of plating. Electro cleaning it. Make sure it's super clean. 
Okay. The front end. At the front end. Yeah. So that very first dip. Okay, that very yeah. first dip. No effervescence and it's uh-huh. all the bubbles. That's electric. How long do you leave it in there? So depending on the size of the piece, but minimums about 30 seconds. Yeah. And most of the time I like to go a minute, minute and a half, just to make sure it's really clean nice. because it's coming. Yeah. So, you know, it comes out of the final polish. You want to make sure that there's no rouge on it and right. all that kind of stuff. As it, And then after QC, so that's why I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, because I've touched it with my hands. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so I've got oils sure. on your hands. Got oil. You're eating those chips. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's me. <laughs> <laughs> and then your rhodium doesn't last forever, though. No, it's only it's you know certain micron thickness. Right. So, well, that and also your solution. Your solution. Oh yeah. So solution. it's not till you, you, the liquid's all gone, right? You've got a. Well, the liquid's a, still there. It's that, just the rhodium's gone. Those so. elements are suspended in a liquid, and there's only so many of those yep. little elements floating around that are going to attach to a ring. So, yes. I've, so sometimes I'll come back to you and I'll say, this still looks yellow. Yeah. And, and that's like, the, the solutions. The solution back. usually is. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're the one that's doing the rhodium plating and you're doing a bunch of pieces, after a while, it's like snow blindness. Yeah. Everything you're like, yep, light. it looks different. And yeah. then you'll take it to somebody else and ah, it's a bit gray. And then, then you'll see, you're like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, is it worth putting a sample up, like 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 a piece of a piece of fourteen karat white gold that's been dipped, and like put it up there as so you can compare it as you go through that to know when your solution's up? Is that worthwhile? Or is that? Too I much honestly different? don't know. Okay. I mean, I could see how it might be beneficial, and then I can also see how when you have just plated. 10 to 15 pieces three maybe times the, that you're just like yeah and maybe the first one process. is still good but the by the by the time you get to the last one the solution's weakened yeah we usually but. top off that solution well not right now since we haven't been going like gangbusters but usually every week you have mm-hmm. to come in and add add to it add to yeah. it yeah yeah i haven't seen it but again we haven't been doing we much, haven't been doing as much white gold white gold yeah so. So we're not burning through that All as right, quickly, which is good because it's crazy expensive. Well, but. the real driver for rhodium is car manufacturing. Oh, right. So we talked about in our yeah, last episode. Did. Why? Yeah. Oh, catalytic kind converters. Yeah. Palladium, but rhodium, I, and platinum. I would think that car manufacturing is down right now. I don't know if it is. I don't know if they're stockpiling. Well, I could also see the miners and the mines not being in full operational not potential. Not producing. Correct. Yeah. So that there would obviously. Less production. There you yeah. go. Yeah. All right. Any other questions we had? Anything else about wear and durability that's different of, of people well, who I, take care well, of Well, I think their... everybody should understand that anything that's been rhodium plated is going to wear over time and the plating is going to come off and it's going to have to be, you know, reapplied. Redipped. Yeah. What's, the, what's the average micron thickness of a rhodium plate? I know? think ours is around 0.05, I think it is. I could be wrong on that number because I'm grabbing it out of the air but i think that's about so what you're going to notice the wear on rings especially on the, on the bottom on the bottom shake you're going to say this looks a little yellow and then i yeah like jonathan like that's why yeah, i have always. platinum because i was going over there and in my original uh wedding ring i had milgrain too right so mm-hmm. that really fine engraving and I was constantly plating it, which is probably because I knew how to plate. So I just go back there and constantly replate it. Well, it started messing up the mill grain because I was constantly covering, coating it. I plated over the mill grain. Plus, mill grain does wear. Plus, it does wear. So, so I've got to have at some point in my life, I have to have it re-mill grain trail. Yeah, go in there and he can do it. Mill grain that, but uh, what else about wear? I mean, platinum is like Paul said; it doesn't move. It 
the the thickness remains. Like a lot on gold and silver, you might have to have your ring reshanked, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and we I see a lot of like antique platinum pieces that come through for repairs or we're going to, you know, take a stone out and put an opal in or something like that. And then they look really good for how old they are yeah. in comparison to a, a gold ring where it would, you can tell where that's been reshanked. Right. Like my grandma <laughs> wore a gold ring for like 50 years and like the shank is paper thin kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe in platinum, it wouldn't be so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you're eventually over so many years, you're definitely going to get some wear and metal's yeah. going to get, removed but not like gold not like gold i'm surprised you haven't asked about stone in place casting i thought we were going to do some oh of that. yeah stone in place <laughs> casting we didn't talk about that casting no. stones in in the wax in the yeah and then so can you do that for all the metals uh we can do it for all of them yes we've done silver we just did the wave silver pendants in with sapphire we cast those and they came out great mm-hmm. so yeah the golds it's just a matter i will preface that with white gold that you have to have the correct alloy system where the metal is highly fluid so it doesn't start to solidify with because once it hits the stones in the you know, setting it starts to solidify right. so you got to have something that'll kind of and only certain that. stones can handle that kind of heat. yeah that kind of heat so sapphires diamonds you know we do that all the time You're not throwing a blue topaz in there? No, no, no. No. And so the difference is, on one end, you save money because you can set in wax, which is easier. Mm -hmm. What is the percentage of time the difference? Oh, it's it's significant. So let's say, on average, to set a stone in wax is around two minutes. Okay? Depending on the mounting in gold, you could be 10 to 15 minutes. So it's huge. Right. You know, from a labor standpoint. The only caveat I would say to that is that it's the metal behind the stones is not going to be bright, right? Because right? you're not carving it away with burrs and having that Which bright Which is finish. why it works really well for blue sapphire because you can't really see through the stone right. anyway. But right. when you get to diamonds, that's where it gets... Right. There's got to be a, we a, do, a line. We use it where there's a certain price point we'll use it up to. Right. And then anything over that price point, we're not going to do that. We're going to take the time to polish behind the stones and, yep. and that kind of stuff. Do you know if you can set in wax for platinum? I don't know. Okay. I I I have seen some pictures of things that have been done that way, but I don't know. It's it would make me nervous because the the temperature gets so high. I think maybe you could do diamond. It's not necessarily the metal temperature. It it is the flask temperature that it has to sit at. So like our flask temperature doesn't go above eleven hundred degrees. Right. Because above that, then it'll start to degrade the stones that uh-huh. are in there. And then the metal actually, when it interacts with it, it's instantaneously starting to cool. So it's not like those particular stones are going to get, you know, impacted by that heat right. right off the bat. As far as gold and silver are concerned. Yeah. yeah. Platinum, I, I don't think it would be a huge impact. But then again, I'm not talking from experience, so I won't. You also want to make sure your stones aren't heavily included, right? Because they yeah, can explode. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll pop. We yeah. have, you know, some of those price point diamonds that we use you'll see them when they come out they'll have a cavity where they didn't have one didn't have one before yeah so then (laughs) yep then it gets removed yeah 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 we blast them out but that is not a high volume of of occurrence right Right. so i mean if i have just thinking of what i cast yesterday and pieces that were in there there wasn't one stone and there was 50 pieces so 50 pieces and not one of them had an issue with the stone from from the casting yeah 
Wow. We've kind of gotten good at picking stones, though. I mean, yeah. yeah we've, we've got it down. Man, we got good, good We're not stones. exploding stones all over the place. That's probably a good call. <laughs> That's probably a good call. All right. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks for taking Thank some time out of your production day to come down into the podcast room and talk with us and teach us all about metal. 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 And if there's anything else you guys would like to hear about from a production standpoint and you'd like to have Paul come back again or someone else in our production facility, let us know what you're interested in hearing about. I wonder how Trail would be. I think it would be amazing. I yeah. He would, but sometimes he's hard to get to talk, you know? Like, sometimes I have to, like, poke him. you have to have <laughs> questions. We'd have to have questions. Now, if you had specific questions of what you I wanted trail, to do, trail one with Trail our, on setting and yeah. engraving. Trail is our mm-hmm. master uh, goldsmith. Yeah. He's the one that handles all our big stones, expensive things. And he started here when he had, like, purple hair and a nose ring, mm-hmm. right? I eyebrow piercing. What did he have a nose ring and an eyebrow piercing? Yeah, he was and a tongue ring, I think too. He was, he and was, now he's a very respectable father of two. <laughs> he was respectable the whole time. Yeah. Respectful the whole time. Yeah, that was not one of the problems we had with trails. Yeah, no, he was never. always respectful. Yeah. No, he's yeah. probably the best goldsmith that I've ever seen. I mean, it's not just his skills; it's his outside the box thinking. Yeah, he and he I problem are a, solves. Oh yeah, he and I are a, a great team together. Yeah, yeah, for we're sure. lucky to have both of you. So, well, thank you. All right. (laughs) We're lucky to have you. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Gem Junkies. I'm Brecken. And I'm Jonathan. I'm Paul. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to see what we do in our real lives, you can always follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Parlay Gems. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.